Hi FM presents South African politics and news with the South African Institute of Race Relations. The IRR show, independent, relevant and real, is hosted by Big Daddy Liberty and Sarah Gon every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10, promoting life, liberty and property rights. Molo Sanbonani, hello, how's it? Shalom, you're listening to the IRR show. I am Big Daddy Liberty and I'm joined, of course, by the ever radiant Sara Gunn. Sara, good morning, how are you doing? Very well indeed, Sihle. And a good morning to you, dear listener. We have missed you. It's been a week. Oh my goodness. I'm hoping you've had a fantastic week. You had a good shabos and uh, you're ready to hit this week running. And uh, speaking about hitting this week running, it's been a busy news week. Of course, oh on this show, we always begin by breaking down the news items that have been the week that was. And uh, there's some very interesting stuff that I think we'll quickly get into uh, with Sarah just now. And um, for our main segment today, and um, this is a voice I'm looking forward to sharing with you guys because he really is a fundi and a guru when it comes to issues of international relations and international affairs. Uh, we'll be joined by Mr. Terence Corrigan at uh, 20 past nine. Uh, and we're going to be discussing a veritable issues of, you know, sort of international affairs. But we're going to sort of ground it in our U.S.-South Africa relations. You know, some of the interesting stuff and developments that have happened on that front. Of course, that'll be followed by um, a open line. You know, we are welcome to, we welcome rather your comments and your views. Remember, you can always reach us here in studio by sending us a telegram at 061-895-1019. I'll repeat that number, 061-895-1019. Or hey, if you're old school like me, um, you can definitely send an SMS. Um, and that number is 34519. That's 34519. Again, listener, welcome to the IRR show. Sarah, Interesting news week, has it not been? Um, Always. A lot of issues. And let me begin with one which is, you know, actually registers quite, registers quite close, uh, to me emotionally. Remembrance Day, mm-hmm. um, commemorated across the country, across the world. Why is it significant, Sarah? It's significant because it commemorates a war unlike any other that saw a death rate any, like, unlike anything that had been experienced before. It's changed from the warfare that, the type of warfare that had been, uh, used up until the end of the 19th century mm. and suddenly the, 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 the new century for which the, the, the nations that fought the war were not pre- really prepared. Mm. And that was the, the, the warfare that involved big guns, fast guns, Poison gas, mm. um, and just laid waste to the young men of Europe. That's right. And, um, it's been encouraging, if I can call it that, that the South African government, even through the various transitions of, you know, uh, governments that we've had from colonial days to apartheid to today, have actually honored this day, haven't mm. it? Because we do have veterans in this country who fought in those wars. We, we do have veterans, but th- the tragedies, I think South Africa, so the South African government is pulling back on that. They're no. not paying any attention. And we do have veterans of, we have veterans. We also have the, the very famous case of the sinking of the Mendy, the, the, right. the, the, the ship that went down with, with black laborers who were, who were being moved to the front. That's so, right. um, I think what's missing is, is the sense that that was also the war that ultimately led up to the Second World War, which again had huge involvement from South Africa. Mm. And, that war led to uh, the era of human rights that we saw com- that we've seen coming from the United Nations. So, in a way, to to not pay attention to 
the, <coughs> the fundamental significance of it and just understanding the history. I mean, that, we're very bad at understanding history in this, in this country, or even knowing anything about it. Sadly so. Um, sorry, I'm going to move us on very briefly mm. because these are just snippets, of course, of uh, news items that have made the news cycle in the past week. Um, the death of Alan Gray, mm. um, you know, obviously for... Firstly, a very sad event mm. and, you know, someone who has had a massive mark on South African financial mm. life, if you will, and of course broadly in society. Um, and I want to segue into this by, by citing what happened on social media. It, mm. was, it was amazing. You know, the moment he um, passed away, he, you know, you have the usual sort of um, race baiting, you know, sort of race merchants who came out and said, ah, yes, there you go. Um, you know, quote unquote, white monopoly capital has died. Now the media will fawn over him. And quite wonderfully, it was actually young, black, talented people who were beneficiaries of the various mm -hmm. foundations that were started by Alan, who actually came out and stumped for him and said, actually, I would not be where I am today were it not for the opportunities afforded to me by, you know, Alan Gray and of course philanthropic individuals like him. South Africans have always been philanthropic, haven't they? They have and, and he holds a special place because he appears to have taken the philanthropy really, really seriously. Absolutely. He has two foundations. Um, the one takes 7% of everything he, or he's worth um, for the foundation. Which is a massive a chunk for someone who's worth that sort of cash. Absolutely. And the second one, every all his family holdings in uh, in uh, in Alan Gray form the basis of that foundation, and a huge number of people have benefited. And he clearly picked up his need for education from what appears to be a really phenomenal grandmother. Came from poverty in Aberdeen, had seven children, mm. had gone to the University of Aberdeen, was a maths was built the first hospital in Butterworth, and became the mayor. Absolutely. And he himself apparently w was dyslexic, but what he what he did that <laughs> that earned him the, mon the money that he pro well deserved was the whole concept of that slow investment, mm. being r being prepared to sit with an investment long enough and go through the periods of downturn mm. to see a return. It, there's something also bigger in the story for me, and it's this wonderful. Um, and I'm sorry to segue back to this, but, but it, it's such a, you know, a, a, a divisive issue on mm. social media that it was just wonderful to see people just sort of, mm. you know, pour cold water on it instantly. Yeah. We have a country where we often forget that even some of the richest people in this country may have begun from, come from very humble mm. beginnings. And we're so quick to rush to, to sort of associating yeah. um, status with race, right? Mm. So we'll say, oh, because you're white, you must be rich mm. or you must be privileged. Or again, mm. this this weird postmodernist notion of quote-unquote white privilege, you know, but by you being white, by virtue of that, you, you inherently come with certain privileges. And it's obviously... Uh, False, and you see it in sort of these sort of individuals when you view them as individuals. Yeah. Well, being being a, being a, a fairly young country from an international point of view, the people most of the people who arrived here were, were poor or working class. They mm. were no. I, I'm not sure I've ever heard of anyone arriving rich. Mm. If they became rich, if they became wealthy, it was because either they or their or, or their successors or their, their children thereafter. Did something that made them rich. In Absolutely. other words, it's, they started from almost nothing. And South Africa is a story of of those sort of successes. And that's again something that's that I, I think I just think that we haven't spoken out enough about when we have to deal with the EFF style race baiting and white monopoly capital mm. thing. 
Because the only way you can do it is by reiterating it. Absolutely. And again, the message I often pass on the show is that, you know, we're, we're not a country made up of different races. We're a country made up of different individuals and families. And it is those families over time, um, you know, given opportunity, given access to, um, you know, the means to, to be able to not only change their own circumstance, but also generate opportunity for others like Mr. Gray that create value in society. Sorry, the last, um, tidbit before we, we, we go to our ad break in a minute or so. Um, um, this police officer, a Hawks official mm-hmm. in Tableview, gunned down, um, and she was investigating uh, some key corruption cases, wasn't she? It, it was it was really crucial. She was the leading investigator and had investigated for years the corruption and theft that had taken place at Petrose. And if you remember Petrose, um, Jama, uh, P- Tina Jamat Peterson was the minister responsible for it, yeah. and that has for selling. The, our oil reserves. Yes. And that is, that, that's the issue. And it, the, it, the issue is, the matter's due to start in court this week, and she was shot on Sunday. Very worrying developments, and probably something we'll cover in another segment on another day. Guys, we want to go to our first ad break, and remember, after the break, Mr. Terence Corrigan from the IRR. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Hello, Sanbanani. Welcome back to the IRR show. Um, you know, we, we were just talking off air with Sarah, um, maybe just to conclude this point, because it's actually quite, it has harrowing implications for the country's crime fighting and, and, and crime busting efforts. You know, Sarah, we were just saying that, you know, here is an investigating officer at the mature end of an investigation. She's about to bring hard evidence into a court of law to, you know, put, put away the sort of people we want to see put away, which is the criminals, the hard criminals, the, the corrupt. And, you know, this is, from what it looks like, a hit on this person. It's it's a hit. She was a colonel, Colonel Stemmet, so she's she's highly ranked, um, and apparently the the case is meant to start this Friday. So I'm not sh- I, I'm not sure if it, it's a tragedy, but I'm not sure if it's going to help the people who, who murdered her because mm. the investigation is done. Um, the evidence just has to be presented. I can't imagine that all the uh, all the evidence that she would have given in court. Is entirely within her, would have been in her domain only. Right. Um, guys, thank you so much for joining us on the IRR show. Uh, as I mentioned before the break, we really have a special guest in studio. We have, of course, Mr. Terence Corrigan, who is the project manager at the Institute of Race Relations. Terence is, has a wealth of experience on issues of international relations, politics and political analysis. And I think he's a voice we're going to have quite often in the show to break down, you know, sort of foreign affairs issues and the like. In fact, there is <clears throat> Excuse me. There's great content on the Daily Friend website. Uh, quite a few podcasts on there, where Terence has actually spoken on uh, a few international relations issues. You can always find that, of course, by going to www.dailyfriend.co.za. Terence, good morning and welcome to the studio. Good morning, and it's uh, great to be here. It is fantastic to have you here, Terence. You wrote a fantastic piece on the Daily Friend, uh, essentially speaking to. Uh, the rising alarm in Washington mm. over South Africa's sort of slide towards, uh, I don't know what to call it, you know, not protecting property rights. Right. Um, can you just talk us through the piece and uh, we'll take the conversation from there? Well, yeah, look, um, key to my work at, at the Institute is the question of property rights. Um, over the past two years, we've seen 
a policy drive driven by the ruling party and uh, by the government leads and then uh, by also various other organizations like the EFF to um, diminish property protections uh, mm. through the uh, amendment of Section 25 of the Constitution, through things like the regulations in terms of the uh, um, Value of Generals um, Act and uh, the uh, coming expropriation bill. All of which uh, shrink the protection that um, uh, that, pri- that that, that um, ordinary people's private property have and expand the discretion of um, uh, of the government. Now, mm. a point that I have made again and again and again uh, to limited success is that this is not about land. That's right. Land is the idiom in which it is being expressed. Mm-hmm. Land is, let's say, the point of the spear. Um, this is about property rights. What you um, uh, what you own. And um, although um, there is uh, there is some concern amongst um, uh, amongst investors um, and amongst uh, amongst foreign governments, uh, not all of uh, not all of them Western, incidentally, mm. about the uh, about the idea of um, uh, of a, a misshapen land reform program. Mm. What concerns them is when this starts to intrude elsewhere. When um, uh, demands for equity and companies come into play, which is, um, in a sense, what we have with the um, uh, 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 with the BE codes of, of right. good conduct. What is at issue here, though, is something particularly sensitive, and that is intellectual property. Mm. Now, South Africa's pro- um, a copyright legislation at present um, was written, I think, in the 1970s. Mm. Uh, obviously, things have moved on. Um, we uh, at that stage didn't have the sort of um, uh, uh, digital copyright uh, or digital products that we have now. Um, the use of um, the use of of uh, uh, music and movie imagery, uh, you know, couldn't be reproduced as uh, um, uh, as as it, can, mm. as it can at the moment. Um, so there is um, uh, there is there is certainly a case for rewriting. And we have two pieces of legislation: the Copyright Protection Amendment Bill and the Copyright Am- and um, the, sorry, the Performance Protection Amendment Bill and the Copyright Amendment Bill. Mm. And what these essentially seek to do is to expand government um, uh, um, uh, government discretion over them, and to shrink the um, uh, the claims that the copyright owners have um, uh, have, have over their um, their work. Now, how do, now, what, now, why is this of concern to the United States? Mm-hmm. Well, the United States is, in many respects, a post-industrial economy. Um, its value is not as it was maybe in the 60s or 70s in big uh, plants in Detroit um, uh, 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 punching out cars. It's in, it's, um, it's in what we call non-intangible um, assets, mm. intellectual property being one of those. In other words, you can manufacture things in, in, in China or in Vietnam or wherever, but the design, the innovation, that is, an, uh, uh, that is the, where, where the real value is. And it changes at breakneck speed. It's expensive to uh, to do, and this is a um, this is a matter of extreme importance to American business and uh, uh, to the American government. It's a big source of conflict between America and China. Mm. Um, y- you know, China itself has um, has has partly moved out of that sort of gray goods um, uh, uh, gray goods space, mm. but it's um, uh, it's still there. The South African companies that have been burnt in China mm. with um, uh, w- I think with agricultural equipment. Um, but uh, South Africa's trade with the United States is at 34.8 billion a year. Mm. Plus, we have a uh, we have a trade surplus, which is um, uh, which is good for us mm. since we have trade deficits elsewhere. Mm. And we also export to the U.S. a lot of value-added goods. They don't need our raw materials as much as they, you know, need catalytic converters and mm. things like that. So uh, this is. Um, uh, uh, this is good. However, the idea that that uh, South Africa uh, could uh, could be encroaching on um, on 
on uh, on property rights, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's justified as fair use for educational purposes or whatever, is of major concern. Now, and there's two things about that. There's two things that come out of this. First is uh, our status in the general uh, the general system of um, the general system of preferences, mm-hmm. which is the world's oldest kind of preferential trading system, which gives countries like South Africa a certain preferential access to the to, uh, to the U.S. market, and being being qualified for that and meeting certain other um, uh, other conditions, we qualify for the Africa Growth and Opportunity Act, yes. all of which supports tens of thousands of jobs and a great deal of money in South Africa. Yeah. I, I think, in fact, with jobs, I, the, I looked at, I saw a figure of jobs being at risk at, in the region of 125,000. Mm. Um, here's a weird question, perhaps: Why, given given the scenario I've just painted, why would the government do it? What 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 would they benefit? From from taking the, from taking hold of those rights and and ruining those relationships. Um, well, okay, you know, I think I, I, I think it's important to point out that in this um, uh, that um, although I've written about the the international dimensions, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of concern in South Africa. Um, in fact, um, uh, one of the groups opposing this, what the group called the Coalition for Effective Copyright in South Africa, uh, you know, said that the, that the people most at most at risk here are are black creative producers. Mm-hmm. Um, why would they do this? I think that to a large extent this is, um, uh, this is ideological. Yeah. Now, now people, um, uh, let me, uh, let me qualify that. I'm not sure that there is a sort of ABC logic to this that, you know, if we do this, we can use this for that. Mm-hmm. I think to a large extent this is, uh, th- this fits into the conception that, 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 that the South African state has of itself as this mighty East, East Asia, um, on the southern tip of Africa, you know, mm-hmm. that, we need the discretion so that we can use it when we need it. Um, so, you know, uh, uh, um, property rights, you know, st- uh, uh, stand in the way of the, gro- of the glorious breakthrough that That's will, right. will yeah. happen one day. Um, as far as the, um, as far as how this, this, this impacts elsewhere, because believe me, it's not just going to mm. be the, uh, going to be the Americans sure. that, uh, that, uh, that will get, that will get upset of it. Um, I think that there, that there are, there are, there are factors at play here that make, the, that, 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 that make the government much more likely to be reckless. Mm. Once again, these have to do with its, its sense, its, 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 its sense of its geopolitical role mm. and South Africa's history, which, you know, I would say goes back to before the First World War. Mm. <laughs> Terence, the, 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 there's a, there's a very, deep story mm. you're sharing here around right. the consequences right. of embarking on bad policy, whether yes. that's driven by bad ideology, mm. like a, a hardline leftist ideology, ideologue, excuse me, with state power, or alternatively, um, you know, vested interest groupings, because that also plays a big role when it comes to issues of trade. Right. You know, you have these sort of rent-seeking organizations yeah, yeah. that say, look, don't go down this route or whatever the case mm. may be. But let's stick to the ideologues, because right. I think that, that's what's driving right. a lot of this, and you, you make a good point around this. Um, the ideology of the ANC permeates quite strongly in yes. the, the foreign relations uh, space. In fact, after this recent um, elective conference, there, there seemed to be a, a buoying, if you will, mm, yeah. of the need to drive an ideological agenda yes. in here on various issues, including Israel, by the way. Mm. Um, let, let's broaden this conversation. We've had a conversation on our podcast on The Daily Friend yes. on the issue of how ideology affects um, our foreign work. Um, quick, quickly talk. Excuse me. Quickly talk me through some of the developments that we've seen, and let's segue back to Israel because I think right. there's a conversation. Okay. There. Um, look, as I say, go back to South Africa's uh, founding as a kind of modern state in 1910. Mm. 
Um, it was within the, 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 the ambit of the British Empire. Now, um, World War One, incidentally, it's often forgotten, that was kind of the last shots of the, of the Boer War in uh, the 1914 rebellion. The idea that uh, Boers or, or Afrikaans, South Africans were going to fight on Britain's side was an enormously um, difficult thing now. Now, um, uh, South Africa... Um, as I see it, was kind of with was was ambivalently within that uh, within that 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 British ambit. Unlike the Australians or New Zealanders, mm. who found, felt a very strong connection in South Africa, you know there was the there was the drive um, to become a republic. And although it, it considered itself a Western country, it didn't have the kind of connections with um, uh, uh, with America that, let's say, a, a Canada or a, or a Mexico might have had by proximity, or the kind of uh, uh, cultural uh, and geostrategic ties that an Australia might have had by choice. South Africa kind of existed on on the fringes, plus with apartheid, it, it wasn't particularly a um, a uh, popular. Uh, 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 <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it it was a distasteful ally. Yeah. Uh, plus. Uh, when South Africa left the left the Commonwealth, you know, unlike the former British and French colonies like you know Botswana or Senegal, they didn't keep that um, uh, that uh, that attachment. So South Africa was, was in a sense a loner state. Uh, now the ANC, when it went into exile, was given uh, was gi- uh, was given a hearty welcome by the Soviets, the East Germans, and whatever. And looking at their um, at their website, you can go through their January the eighth statements going back decades. There is no question how they how they saw the world. Um, uh, being somewhat familiar with 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 East Germany, um, you can you can see the imprint of that um, uh, of, the, of that sort of ideology. Mm. The world was divided into the the, the sort of force of forces of peace, which were the uh, um, uh, the communist world to some extent, the developing world, and then the forces of imperialism, which the United States, Western Europe, and whatever. Um, and uh, I think you know when um, uh, in, in the 1990s it was shaken mm. by the uh, uh, by the collapse of the Soviet Union, mm. but uh, uh, shaken but not stirred. If I can, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> your cultural. Um, yeah, um, there were pragmatists in the ANC, and I think um, uh, Nelson Mandela probably probably key among them that that, mm. that uh, you know reckon we had to, they had to find a find an accommodation with the um, with the West. But uh, from um, uh, certainly from the time of Thabo and Becky, um, China came to be uh, came to be seen as an ideological avatar. Ironically, at the time that it was it was moving away from uh, from its fixations, mm. China is no longer a communist society; it is an authoritarian society. Mm. Um, and you know, if, if if private business can help it along there, it shrugs and says, "Well, you know, welcome, welcome to the club." Mm. Um, if you look through the ANC's documents the last the last couple of years. Um, it's crystal clear. The, um, the, the, the enemy is the United States. Yeah. Um, chi- you know, uh, uh, China, the, the Communist Party of China is the lodestar to which we orient, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think it was last year when there were, uh, when, uh, when, it, when a number of Western embassies, the, the Americans, I think the British, the Germans, the Swiss, and I forget the, uh, the Dutch, I think, mm. um, put together a, a letter about what South Africa should do in order to, to make themselves more attractive. It may not have been um, it may have been the most politic thing to do, but the re- uh, uh, the response from from the government was just ballistic and yep. unbalanced, and said a great deal mm. about um, about how they um, uh, about how they saw their roles. You know, these were imperialist countries mm. coming to sort of take over. Um, now you mentioned Israel. Um, that is to a lo- to a large extent, I think, the projection of this ideological agenda That's onto. Right. Um, uh, Onto a foreign um, a foreign conflict. Incidentally, one where we have virtually no um, influence. Um, hmm. 
you know, we there's no economic uh, 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 levers we could pull as we might do in say Zimbabwe. Mm. Um, there's sort of connections between between the ANC and the um, uh, the PLO. But even that, I imagine that the PLO reckons they have their bigger fish to fry and more um, uh, um, uh, more important allies to service. Which is sorry, sorry to yeah. interject. Which is weird though, because given the ANC sort of bending over backwards to accommodate, you know, the the and I must say this, you know, they they will bend over backwards for the likes of the PLO, mm. Hamas et al. Yeah, yeah. I mean the. Uh, Almost to the point of wanting to incite um, a response from, um, you know, the Israelis or whatever the case may be. Let me be precise and specific. Mm. I mean, there's a recent incident where they wanted to rename a street uh, here in uh, Johannesburg. Sorry, right. my, my geography here is yeah. not that good. Um, yes. You know, one sort of wondered, what is the... Like, how does this benefit South Africa in any way? And again, it's that ideology, isn't it? Yeah, the idea no, that the, the, no, it just satisfies a sort of, a sort of political, uh, an ideological itch. It's this weird sort of, like, our liberation politics <laughs> demands that we do this, even if it's not in our interest. Uh, Terence? Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. That is, um, uh, that as I say is, 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 vir- is virtual pure ideology. In fact, that street went past the American consulate. Yeah, yeah that's exactly <laughs> that, why that, that, Yeah, and, that, and, and, and it was essentially to, Flip the bird at um, uh, uh, at the American. You know this, this. This isn't even really something that you're getting at the Israelis. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's not like you're running it past their uh, 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 past their embassy. Um, yeah, no, it, it's 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 um, it's it's foolish. But you know, but um, um, ideology often is a um, uh, is a is a is a stand-in for for uh, for pragmatism. Mm. You know. Um, uh, there is a great deal to um, uh, there is a great deal to be gained by um, uh, by interacting with with um, uh, with countries that, that that have opened to South Africa in the last thirty years in Asia, um, you know. And there's 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 a great deal of talk about that. But you know, I wonder to what extent um, you know we have the skills in our diplomatic service to do so. Mm. I, I've, I've, I've often said, and I would love an answer: How many South African diplomats can speak Chinese? Mm. Um, Mandarin or, or yeah, yeah, Mandarin or Cantonese. Yeah. Uh, you know, let alone something like um, uh, 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 like Bahasa Indonesia. You know, the, the <laughs> Indonesian language. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I've 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 been told for, I've, I've I've been told by someone who's had his uh, ear on the ground in Germany for sort of uh, forty or fifty years that there is no one in the South African embassy there, no no, no uh, South African diplomat who can speak German. But isn't that indicative of? And this is really scary about the competency, the competency of of this of South African mm. uh, government, and that is that it does not see its diplomatic missions as yeah. performing a service that includes uh, trying to improve trade and industry mm. and mm. get uh, allies on board. <clears throat> it is an ideological opportunity to to send this guy, that mm. guy, on the left. And the, and the the next guy just somewhere to to yeah. appease him. Yeah. Uh, Terence, we, we we kind of spoke about this just off off the air um, when we spoke about our various embassies across the country. Uh, right. Excuse me, across the world. Right. Um, and we were saying we we there's almost a sense of this is a dumping ground for caters mm. and those mm. who, who can't help me politically, so Correct, to speak, yeah. and not necessarily a space where you bring in innovators, guys who can you know. Yeah. Um, have good mm. deals for the country. Right. Yeah. Look, um, 
almost every country uses di- um, uh, diplomatic postings as a reward. In South Africa, though, where I think we actually need to um, uh, uh, need to leverage those relationships, though, I think too often the diplomatic core has been a place where you can exile people. Mm. And I remember back in the 1990s, Monsieur Lakota fell out of favor with the ANC, and there was an idea of sending him as the ambassador to Tokyo. And I think it was an editorial in the in the Sowetan that said. He has neither the interest nor the inclination to make a success of this, so this is a bad move. And unfortunately, that is what we have done all over the place. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Molo Sambonani, hello, how's it? Shalom, welcome back to the IRR show as we are in the last uh, third of the show, essentially. Um, we still have Terence Corrigan from the Institute of Race Relations with us in studio, and we've been discussing all things international relations, international affairs. We have pivoted this conversation quite uh, uh, heavily on our U.S. relations, and I think we'll segue back to that. Um, remember, we will have Terence on the show quite regularly to discuss current affairs issues as it relates to foreign uh, or rather in the international relations. Um, Terence, we were saying just in the break that, um, you know, perhaps to come back to the, uh, uh, excuse me, to come back to the U.S. Mm. embassy, um, right. there's actually quite big news in that regard too. I mean, right. they, they've uh, essentially assigned a, a new, um, uh, right, right. Ambassador, and she's, finally, she's uh, she's actually she's she's touched uh, touched down, right? Yeah, um, uh, Lana Marks, who's uh, you know one of, one of her claims to fame in this respect is that she was apparently born in South Africa. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, um, I I think I think you know here here's the thing: she's taken a great deal of flack. I think part, uh, a part of it is reflexive hostility on the part of much, uh, much of the media, many analysts to, to, to President Trump. Mm. Um, uh, uh, rightly or wrongly, that's yeah. a discussion for another day. But uh, yeah, she's been dismissively referred to as a handbag a handbag salesman or something. Well, yeah. look, she, um, from, from, from what I can gather, she you know, produces and sells luxury goods, which you know, suggests some business acumen. But, you know, to my, uh, uh, to my mind, there is this. No country um, uh, that I know of does not uh, assign uh, certain ambassadorships as sinecures. Mm. So, you know, the thing is, like, what sort of support system do you have? That's right. Um, you know, she's, uh, uh, she's coming to, to, to a very, um, uh, very well-resourced and uh, a, a, a very large organization. Um, but I, you know, I think that what really strikes me in a lot of the commentary, and, and this, uh, this is not from, you know, socialistrevolutionaryworker.org. This is from, um, <laughs> uh, uh, this is from the, from, from the business day, if I remember correctly. It was a rhetorical question. Will she represent South Africa to the United States? Well, you got it backwards. It's not her job. You know, <laughs> she may have been born in South Africa and whether or not she was a, uh, you know, a, 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 an alumnus of the London School of Ballet or whatever is, is beside the point. She is there to represent her country. Country's mm. interests interest us, and it's our job to represent ours to her if we can define them adequately. Mm. Which um, I think, <laughs> yeah, and, and I, you know, I think I think that's that's um, uh, uh, that's the issue. I understand she can speak uh, uh, she can speak Afrikaans and Kosa, which will make her a member of a true minority. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, um, you know, and uh, so that's that would be uh, make a make an impact when she goes to public events. But but Terence, I want to bring bring you back to a, a point you're actually making a mm. very key point. Right. It's the idea that an embassy is a working, yeah. um, uh, breathing uh, entity, yeah, yeah, yeah. so to speak. In so far as mm. it has professionals in it who man sure, yes. the everyday, yes. and that your ambassador, to a large extent, doesn't necessarily have to be some sort of expert per se. No. Although you would want them to be at least you know proficient in, mm. <laughs> and know where they are. Right. Um, 
Um, <laughs> um, the, the point I was driving at is, you know, you look at the U.S. Embassy, it's filled with professionals, actual diplomats, guys who know what they're doing, who represent their country well, um, and are very efficient in doing that. I don't think we have the same um, machinations in our, in our embassies, no? Look, um, I... Th- I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to 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 uh, to generalise. You know, yeah. they, um, uh, there are people who join um, who join the foreign service here in any other country as professionals, and you know, uh, uh, stake out career paths themselves. I think that our diplomatic corps suffers the same problem as our, as, as our uh, state system in general. That mm. it's it's highly politicised, and um, uh, uh, party loyalty, racial representation has overwhelmed. Um, uh, has overwhelmed a lot of um, uh, a lot of other things. Mm. Uh, the, the American satirist P.J. O'Rourke actually went to Paraguay, mm. and he said he was very impressed. This was one part of the world that you could, uh, one country where you could see the, the U.S. State Department going about its jobs without its, uh, uh, I don't know, it's like shoes tied together. I think he used a more colorful expression. He said, <laughs> why? Because Paraguay is not a key country, so we no. don't get uh, people who donated a zillion dollars to the Willie Horton Coalition for Peace Co- um, uh, Political Action Committee <laughs> coming here. You actually get a you get a career diplomat who speaks the lingo mm. and lets journalists into his house without taking the, um, uh, the, 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 uh, the plastic off his couch. Um, so, you know, um, my, uh, my experience with people in, um, uh, in Durko has been, um, uh, has been mixed. But I, I think that far too many of the, uh, of the policy decisions represent an ideological impulse. And mm. I think, too, uh, you know, too many people occupying key positions are not able to see beyond, um, uh, uh to see beyond their, their, their sort of, um, ideological station if you want here's a very interesting point mm. um tony leon wrote last year that um uh, something about 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 our embassy in, in washington which still remains our largest mission despite the infatuation with china um when president trump made that uh, tweet about um uh, about farm seizures he said it was remarkable that this seemed to catch the south african government off um uh, off balance um Surely, with um, uh, with a um, uh, with an embassy like that, that sort of thing should have been uh, should have been seen and preempted. Absolutely. Now, you know, I, uh, they would probably be arguing against the points I argue, but the point is that is what a, that is what a professional on the ball diplomatic oh. service would do. Um, you know, when 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 President Kennedy was shot, for instance, the people in the Soviet U- in the Soviet embassy in Washington were told literally to go out into the street, shake uh, you know, just shake hands with Americans and say we are we are we are appalled by this. Mm. Um, you know that uh, you know they because they realized that there were mm. big stakes and that the mm. idea got around that that the the Soviets had done the assassination, there'd be a big old war, we all die. Mm. Um, Terence, maybe as we look to. Wrap up the conversation. Remember, dear listener, you can actually join in uh, by sending us a telegram at zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine or an SMS at three four five one nine. Terence, um, the the US have made their move, so to speak. Um, mm. New ambassador, <clears throat> um, they they still have the same programs that they've been rolling out. Yeah. Um, you know, many of which we benefit from as South Africans. Yeah. Uh, but you've raised key issues here. Let me, if I bring it back mm. to our original right. uh, mm. topic, what should the South African government be doing here? I always end end you mm. off on, on the yeah. different stuff to say. Top three things we should be doing as a country to get our relationships back, not just with the Americans, but the yeah. rest of the world. Well, okay. Well, look, I'd um, I'd say there's there's a macro issue, and this this goes to whether we're going to make any economic progress. This ten years, yeah. and that is to um, uh, stop driving towards the destruction of property rights. Absolutely, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, that yeah. and that is as um, as relevant to someone with an RDP house as it is to someone who owns the rights to, you know, uh, Rio Two. Um, the second thing is, I think you know, actually, 
let's reorient our diplomatic service to one that actually focuses on attracting investment and, uh, you know, is willing to report back to, um, report back honestly to, um, uh, to its headquarters about what is stopping or, or what is dissuading investors from looking at South Africa. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's their responsibility to, um, uh, uh, to have those conversations so that we're dealing with reality as it is, not as we would like it to be. Yeah. Um, third, um, I'm very attracted. I think it was, uh, General de Gaulle who said this, that, um, Fr- um, uh, France has no has no permanent friends, only per- uh, only enduring interests. Mm. Mm. And I think that 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 um, uh, that that is the um, uh, that is the key. There are issues on which South Africa may feel more at home with China, like UN reform or whatever. Although I think we also have big differences there. Um, I think that the, um, uh, and I think that there are um, uh, there are issues in which we could actually productively work with with um, uh, with Western countries. Mm. For instance, we refuse to take we've, we refuse to support um, uh, action on on sexual orientation in the UN, mm. uh, we, w- which countries like the Netherlands and Norway and Sweden do. Um, and you know, I think we should also bear in mind that uh, if we if we want. Um, uh, if we want the economic opportunities that uh, that uh, that trade and investment promotes, we can't throw away relationships with countries who disagree with them politically. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I'm not notes. Thank you very much, Terence Corrigan from the Institute of Race Relations. As I said, a voice you will be hearing more of on international relations issues. We'll see you after the short break to wrap up. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to the IRR show. My name is Big Daddy Liberty, and of course, I am joined by co- my co-host, uh, Sarah Gunn. Sarah, we've just concluded a fantastic conversation, mm. uh, one which I think we'll have quite often because you know international relations affects who we are and what we do in this country. Of course, we're not, um, you know, we're not an island. Um, but Sarah, in the last segment mm. of the show, we always look at the news week ahead, mm. uh, what the listeners should be aware of, what they should be watching out for, and of course, what will be on uh, the Daily Friend website, yeah. www.dailyfriend.co.za, for all your news, opinion, and analysis. Um, Sarah, we were sort of speaking of 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 air, <clears throat> and um, Terence actually segued to it in, in the last sort of bit of his of his um, uh, contribution around, you know. What we support on the continent and what we don't support. Mm. And, you know, David Mabuza, the deputy president of the country, was in the news recently, um, basically sort of trying a, a can I call it a quiet diplomacy type approach um, <laughs> yeah, to the issue of gay rights. Uh, you know, gay rights, which is something we in this country under our constitution have guaranteed. And I, I shouldn't call it gay rights. I should sort of extending rights to everybody. Um what do we make of this and uh, what should the listener be uh, preparing for? Basically, South Africa has always taken, despite its constitutional uh, recognition of rights for, for, for gay people, has always taken a very soft approach to Afri- other African countries. And Uganda has just um, uh, declared homosexuality, same-sex uh, relationships, a crime, mm. punishable by death. Mm. And... David Mabuza's response is, you know, we really, we essentially shouldn't interfere in the decisions of other countries. And while we understand there's a, a sort of give and take on certain issues, um, and, and, and a recognition of, of, of gay relationships is one of them, um, I feel we could have said something Absolutely. about the death penalty for 
I mean, gay it, relationship. It, it comes down to an issue of freedoms and liberty. Mm. Like, regardless of your own personal convictions, you, you must recognize, though, that every individual has every right, as long as they're not harming the next person, mm. to live the life mm. that they want to live. Um, and I think we're going to be having this conversation next week mm. as we bring in um, Khalifa. Uh, 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 Khalifa um, Hedden, yeah. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> from Hedden, um, who writes a lot on these issues, is quite a, uh, a you know, fundi, if mm. you will. On, on the issue of LGBTQI rights. And, and, he's, um, and he's putting out, he's launching a report later this week mm. uh, with, uh, that reflect interviews with gay people ar- around parts of the continent. Absolutely. So it's, it, it, it should be actually quite fascinating. In fact, you can catch that on the Big Liberty show uh, this week or next week, sorry, as we record it this week. Uh, and, of course, on The Daily Friend. You can find that article and that work on the Daily Friend website at dailyfriend.co.za. But as, as I said, we will have Kari in studio next week as he unpacks this issue and we all learn more, hopefully, mm-hmm. um, about it. Sorry. Last thing as we, as we, um, look to close up in the right. last sort of minute or so of our show. Um, the news week ahead, any other issues that you think we should be looking out I for? Just, I just think one that's interesting that's a little bit slipped under the radar is that Evo Morales, the president of uh, Bolivia, has resigned and fled to Mexico. Yeah. Now, Morales came into, became the president around the same time that Chavez became the president in mm. Venezuela. Very much a socialist in an agrarian economy, not, not, not an, Per se a bad guy, but the, the inevitable that happened. A, he asked for more, more, uh, uh, terms in office than, than constitution provided Absolutely. for. And of course the economy has tanked. Yep. And, and that should be another real lesson to South Africa. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can find, uh, your favorite fat boy, Big Daddy Liberty on your social media. Just look for Big Daddy Liberty. And of course, the Big Liberty Show. And you can find our writers, opinionists, and analysts on the Daily Friend website. That's www.dailyfriend.co.za. From me, Big Daddy Liberty and... Saragon. We'll see you guys next week.